This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. About a fight to the finish, and we're really looking at what the Apostle Paul spoke about over there in Ephesians 6. If you want to turn over there, Ephesians 6 10, they're going to put that scripture up, but if you want to turn over there in your Bible, you can. You know, we, we talked about it last, last week, we introduced it. Anybody ever been in a struggle in life? You ever, I mean, you ever wondered, you know. Nobody, you know, outside really of the Scriptures and the revelation that God gives us in the Scriptures, nobody can explain why life is the way it is. Why isn't life just all wonderful and rosy? Why doesn't everything just work right? Why is it that you, it seems you have to really work at getting things in order? You have to, you know, we, we talked about this. You know, you buy a new car, you can just pull it into your garage, not ever drive it a mile. You know, eventually, you know what it'll do? It deteriorates, doesn't it? There's something working in the earth. And of course, we as believers, we understand the Bible calls it the principle of sin. It's it's where something deteriorates. It's the working of death that's working in here. And we talked about over there with Paul. Let's just read that. We'll introduce it a little bit more. Ephesians 6, he said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can uh, take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Boy, do we need to get a revelation of that in our country. It's a, the struggle we're talking about here is not a geopolitical struggle. It's not a struggle of politics. It's not a struggle of economics. It's a spiritual struggle. He said, it's not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting the Republicans, the Democrats, the Libertarians, or anybody else. I'm not fighting any of those people. We need to get it straight as a people of God. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the reason that there's a struggle, the reason that things things are going backwards, we talked about it last week, I'll just remind you, you know, who started the fight? Now, I grew up in a family. There were six of us, four boys, that ought to tell you that right then, and two girls. And, you know, inevitably with four boys, anybody have brothers growing up? You know, somebody was always starting something. That was never me. <laughs> One reason was, was I was next to the youngest and the two older brothers. They were always picking on me, me and my little brother Mike. But, you know, inevitably, somebody started the fight. You know, and somebody would hit, and he would hit back, and here we'd go. And, of course, my dad was ex-military, and he didn't believe in sparing the rod. Man, he, I can still remember him pulling that belt off. Man, as a little kid, that thing looked like it was about six feet long. Man, and here he'd go. But you know, we are in a fight, in a combat. We're fighting. And it's not going to be over until the day we die. We're going to have to continue to struggle. Paul says we're in a struggle here. So don't think it's strange 
Peter put it this way, of the fiery trials, the difficulties that you face in life. He said, don't think it's strange. Listen, God didn't raise us up to be a bunch of whiners. I mean, God bless you. I love you if you're a whiner. But you know what? Grow up. Grow up. Isn't that right? I mean, you don't like to be around somebody who's whining all the time. You know, every time you see them, they got to whine about them. How bad life is and how bad they hadn't had a fair deal. I, has anybody in here had a fair deal? I don't see any hands. You, you, don't be surprised about that. We're in a struggle. That's the first thing we need to understand. We are wrestling. We are struggling with the powers of darkness. Now, you can't see them like you see an individual, but you can see the results of them. Isn't that right? And we're going to look at some of the ways that they attack in today's message. And I want to just ask you a question. Have you ever suffered a delay or a distraction or a discouragement in your walk with God? Some of you are shaking your heads no. So now that I've asked a redundant and rhetorical question, we'll look at that. Today I want to talk about weapons versus wiles. Here in... Uh, Look back there in verse 11 again. Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I think in the King James it talks about wiles, W-I-L-E. Now look that word up because, you know, we don't use the word wiles too much nowadays. But, you know, believe it or not, dictionary.com, they still got a definition for it. Here's what it's defined as. A trick, an artifice or stratagem meant to fool, to trap, or to defeat deceive. And this is how the enemy primarily works against us, especially in the area of spiritual attacks against our minds and our lives. He's always wanting to trick us, deceive us, discourage us, distract us, anything he can do to slow down our progress, not only in our spiritual growth, but also in fulfilling God's dream, God's will, and God's purpose for our life. I'm so glad that even though there's over 6 billion human beings on the planet today, that God has a unique design, personality, purpose, and dream for each one of us. For each one of us. You know, you're not just a number, you know, a number here with a dash and then a number there. Born, dash, died. We're more than that in God. And he says we need to understand that the battle we're in, because part of that battle is that the enemy seeks to, what? To delay God's will and God's purpose in our life. This is one of the big methods or schemes, if you will, that the enemy uses is to delay us. Now, these delays are manifested in our circumstances, in relationships, but we need to understand that this delay, which is a strategy to weaken and to wear you out, causes you to lose your way. Have you ever prayed like we did today? You prayed, you know, you prayed God's promise, you prayed according to God's will, and yet from the time you said amen and I believe that there's a time gap there? You ever, see, you ever had that experience? <laughs> we probably all have. And during that delay is when the enemy really likes to try to come in and discourage us. And we have to remember some things. First of all, remember, delay is not God's de denial. Delay is not God's denial. Over in Daniel 10, 
you know the story there. You can see the reference point. We won't read it all for the sake of time. But in, in Daniel 10, you know that Daniel was in Babylon. He was in captivity. He was essentially a slave. Now, you know, being in a land hundreds and hundreds of miles away from your homeland and being a slave, you know for sure that there might be something happening there that is delaying God's will for your life. And Daniel began to read, and he read over there where the prophet Isaiah had said that after 70 years, Israel, God would deliver and bring Israel back home. Well, as Daniel was reading this, he realized, hey, you know what? It's time. It's time for us to be delivered. And he began to seek God, and he began to pray. Remember that? He prayed one day, two days, six days, seven days. No answer. Prayed eight days, nine days, ten days, fourteen days. No answer. He prayed fifteen days, eighteen days, nineteen days, twenty days. Still no answer. And you know, this is how the enemy wants to do He wants to tell us that because we haven't received the answer yet... That means that it's not God's will, that God's not going to do it. God's not going to come through this time. He seeks to delay us so that what? We will get off course. We will get off course. Anybody remember a man named Abraham? Now, Abraham is called the father of faith. <clears throat> and, he, <clears throat> excuse me, and he exercised great faith in God's promises, didn't he? But you know what? God promised him a son. Five years went by, 10 years went by, 15 years went by, no son. So, delay for Abraham, he decided that he was going to help God out. You ever, had, you ever tried to help God out? I have. How'd that work out for you? Didn't work out so good for me. Didn't work out so good for Abraham either. He, he had a son all right. But it still wasn't the promised son that God had for him. And he had Ishmael. And then, of course, about another ten years later almost, the son of promise came, Isaac. But you know what? It caused all kind of problems, didn't it? Ishmael became the father of a nation, the Arab nation. Isaac became the become the, the, the father after Abraham of a nation, which was what? Israel. And what? Problems ever since. Butting heads. And many times the enemy seeks to get us into this delay. And he wants to delay us. And he wants to, us to, to think that God hasn't heard our prayer. That God's not going to come through because there's some time that's gone by. You know what we got to do? We got to learn to stay the course. Stay the course. Now let me share with you some pieces of armor that will help you when you are facing delay. This tactic, this scheme of the enemy. And listen, the devil is still using the same stuff he used a thousand years ago. He doesn't have any new strategies. It's the same old stuff. It's the same old methods. And see, if we can understand that, by God's Word and by the Holy Spirit, then you know what? We put on this armor, and He said, you'll be able to what? Stand. You'll be able to stand. All right, the first piece of armor I think is important when you're facing delay is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. It protects you from doubt. Because when delay comes, doubt 
wants to come right on the heels of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Doubt. Okay, wait a minute. Now, you sure that God heard you pray? You sure that God promised you that? You sure that God's good, that God really wants you to have that? Maybe that's just not good for you. Maybe God don't want you to have it. All these doubts begin to come into your mind. Remember we said, how does the enemy battle us spiritually? Right up here in this thing called our head, our mind. And the doubts try to come in. You know what? That's when what? We raise up our shield of faith. The Bible says with the shield of faith, we quench every fiery dart. What's that dart aimed at? Your mind. He wants you to begin to doubt. He wants you to begin to fear. He wants to begin to say, well, now, maybe now, let's, let's, just, be, let's, let's just be reasonable here. You think that God's really going to do this. Let me tell you about the reason of man versus the will of, of God. I remember we were in Rosario, Argentina, uh, preaching. This was about 1989, I think, 89 or 90, right in there, one of those. We were here, lots of people, thousands of people there, preached a message, and at the end, because there were so many people, you couldn't lay hands on people, you'd be there for a couple of days. So you just, you would pray in mass. You'd pray for people. And then people would come up, just begin to come up and give testimony. Now I'm talking about, we're talking about the tactics of the enemy. That delay, he wants us to begin to doubt. He wants to begin to say, wait a minute. That's really a big thing you've asked God for. That's really a big thing you're believing God for. Maybe God is not going to do it. Maybe he does, does, God just doesn't do that kind of thing. There was a young couple came up. They had a young daughter. She looked like she was maybe three or four, holding her in their arms. And she gave, they gave this testimony because they come up, and they had, they had taken the, the shoes off the child, and they were asking, you know, what, what did you come up? What's going on? And they were saying, look, 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 you know, at the, at the little girl's feet. And so they looked perfectly like normal feet to me. And so the interpreter asked them what happened. He said, the child was born with flat feet, no arches. But when I looked at her, had perfect feet with arches. He said, I don't know if I believe that well. I don't only believe it, I saw it. <laughs> now see, I say that because what? See, reason says that, that sounds unreasonable. That sounds far-fetched. You know, but here's the thing. If God created your body, He certainly knows how to restore it to its original condition. Doesn't He? Sure He does. But it may be in another area. I just throw that out there. But it may be another. We get our shield of faith and we begin to hold it up. Then the next part is the belt of truth. Now, don't get offended, but you know, in any battle, you don't want to get caught with your britches down. They want the belt of truth there. Why? Because it gives you confidence. I'm walking in truth. I'm praying according to truth. God's Word, Jesus said, Thy Word is truth. So I've got that belt around me. I'm feeling very confident in this battle. I'm, I'm, truth gives us a confidence. We have God's Word for it. We, it holds us fast to what we know. I know. This is why I tell people, before you pray, before you do anything, find out what God said about it. There's 6,000 promises in this book, give or take. 
There's one for you in your situation. Then the third piece of armor, we're talking about when delay comes and and doubt is trying to to fasten hold and tell you it's not going to work. God's not going to do it. You can't have it. It's not for you. You know, it's for this person, but not for that person. The other thing is, is the helmet of salvation. What does it do? It guards your mind from insecurities that lead us to a presumptive act. I found this out. If I allow doubt to come in and begin to entertain those thoughts of doubt and what sounds so rational and reasonable about what I'm believing God for in my, my life, that it won't be long if I listen to them, my insecurities begin to surface. I begin to feel insecure. Boy, I better, oh, I'm, I got to, man, we got to make something happen here. We got, hey, but, you know, hey. And then the next thing you know, you act presumptively. Anybody remember King Saul? King Saul in Israel, you know, God anointed him. He was the first king. And early on in his, his reign, uh, you know, he was putting together his armies and putting together his administration and getting everything ready to go, you know, because Israel never had a king. So he was the first one. He was getting it all together. And at that time, God was, had been ruling through either a judge or the prophet that he raised up in Israel. So the prophet told Saul, he said, now you go down here. And he says, now they were getting ready for a battle, a big battle. And he said, now you go down here to such and such a place. And he said, you wait seven days for me. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Just wait for me to get there. So, you know, uh, Saul went, and first day, two days, three days, four days, everything's wonderful. Five days, six days, everything's still wonderful. Seventh day, he still hadn't showed up. Seventh day noon, you know, starting to feel a little bit, you know, mid-afternoon, evening, and all of a sudden, he began to hear voices. People talking, and I'm sure the enemy was talking in his mind. Wait a minute, seven days. Then eight days. Oh, boy, people were really talking now, you know. And all of a sudden, Saul's insecurities began to rise up as he listened to the voice of doubt, the voice of people. Wait a minute. Maybe, God, maybe he really is not called to be king. Maybe really, God really is not going to do all these things he said. After all, where's the prophet? He said he'd be here in seven days. Today's eighth day. Today's the ninth day. Today's the tenth day. And, and Saul's doubt and insecurities because of delay, he acted presumptively. And when he did, you know what happened? He lost his kingdom. Because when the prophet showed up, said, what are you doing here? He said, well, you didn't come on time, so I, I felt like I needed to do something because, you know, the people were leaving me. Uh, things weren't looking good. Really what he was saying was, my insecurities are coming out. And so he lost what God had intended for him to have. And many times, see, we, we, uh, the enemy uses this delaying tactic and the doubts begin to creep in and we don't raise up the shield of faith. We don't 
put on the belt of truth of God's Word. We don't have the helmet of salvation firmly on our, on, covering our mind. We begin to entertain uh, the doubts because of the delays and our insecurities begin to come up. And we feel like, man, we better do something. We better make something happen here. We, you know, and so we act presumptively and we end up losing out. Delay is not denial. Maybe you've been believing God for something in your life. You know you have a promise. You know you're on solid ground. You've got God's Word to back up your faith. You're on solid ground. You've prayed. You're believing. Now listen, delay is not denial. It's a tactic of the enemy, but don't you give up and don't you give in. Now you remember Daniel? We got to 20 back there. Remember that? He got to 20, still no answer. But the 21st day, guess what? He got an answer. Let's, I tell you what, I wasn't going to turn over, but let's turn over there just for a moment. Daniel 10, because I want you to see what's going on in the background. Now, I'm going to pick it up after, you know, he's been praying for these 21 days. You know, it's 20 days and nothing happened. He's into the 21st day. And down in verse, uh, let's pick it up in about verse uh, 13. The angel has come to Daniel now on the 21st day, and he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. When did God hear Daniel? The first day. Now we're at 21 days. Be interesting to know what happened in that gap, wouldn't it? All right. Notice what he says here. He said, and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, I've come to explain. Now, let me give you some, some insight here. He talked about being detained by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, that's not a man he's talking about there. Because you can read in Isaiah that one angel was able to destroy 175,000 man army all by himself in one night. So we're not talking about some natural man having the power to hold this angel back. He wouldn't even know when he come because he couldn't see him. Are you listening? But there is a duality in government and ruling in the earth. There's the seen kingdom and then there is the unseen that is endeavoring to work and to influence that government, that culture, that people. Now, Paul put it this way. He said, make sure, speaking to us who are believers, he said, pray for those who are in authority. That you may lead, what? A quiet, peaceable, and productive life. He didn't say pray that this one versus that one would be in. He said, pray for those in authority. Because it is that unseen realm where the enemy is seeking to influence our government, our institutions, our culture, our entertainment, our economics, all of that. There's an unseen 
power that's working there. But if you and I will stand up and pray and intercede in the name of Jesus, there will be a greater power that comes. Notice he said Michael was sent. A chief angel was sent. And obviously, Michael, when he came, that got the job done, didn't it? Because he, he, was, he was being held up. He got set free himself. And he came to Daniel, and the answer came. So the last piece of armor that we need in this thing of delay is the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? God's Word. And we speak God's Word. Are you listening? We speak God's Word. What has God said? Has God said that you're defeated and you're going under? Has God said that you know what? He can't, God, you know, all of a sudden now God's not interested in what's going on in your life? Is that what the Bible says? Find what the Scriptures say about your situation and begin to say that. Affirm that. Because you know what? You can't think two things at the same time. Can you? See, if, if I say, okay, what color is your dog? Is it red? Well, see, if you, ha- you were thinking black, as soon as I said red, you thought something different, didn't you? Is it a little dog? Is it a big dog? You can't think two things at the same time, can you? And here's what the sword of the Spirit is good for, is as we speak out God's Word, what? It refocuses what? This thing up here. Okay, what has God said? God says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. God says, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that right? God says that He's not given us a spirit of fear or of doubt, but of power, love, and and, and a sound mind. We speak that out. So we use, in the delaying tactics of the enemy, we use the shield of faith. We use the belt of truth. We use the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Those are primarily the pieces of armor. And he says, you put on this armor. We need to have this armor on. Isn't that right? We put it on by faith, but we keep it on by faith. Isn't that right? If you take your helmet off, I mean, wouldn't it be crazy if you you saw somebody, you know, soldiers running into battle and on the way charging the enemy, they're taking all their armor off, throwing their sword down? What, what do you, how do you think that battle's going to come out? That's not going to be good, is it? And so many times that's what happens. We, we take off the helmet of salvation, and we be, when we begin to, to what? We begin to think and, and begin to speak out the doubts that the enemy is putting into our mind because of delay. See, this is how you know the enemy's gained a foothold in your mind is when you begin to say it out your mouth. Well, I just don't ever get any answers to prayer. God just don't ever come. I know I heard Pastor Norris' testimony, but God don't ever do anything like that for me. You know why you're saying that? That's what you've been thinking. That's what you've been thinking. Oh, you pray. And you pray, fine. But then after you pray, you don't keep your shield of faith up. You don't keep the helmet of salvation on. You don't keep, you, you don't, you, your sword, you know, I, you know, it should be, you know, we talked about the belt of truth, you know, that holds up your sword. You know, you need to use the sword of the Word of God. What are you saying over your life? Isn't that true? You know this, even if you're not a Christian, I mean, you know, the psychologists will tell you this, 
let somebody grow up in a household where everything is negative and fearful and, and, you know, and putting you down. And you see how that person turns out. See how that child turns out. They'll be filled with insecurities. They'll be, they, they won't be able to risk things in life. They'll be afraid of failure. They'll be afraid of every little thing. But you find somebody who has had what positive love and faith-filled reinforcement. You know what? They'll go out. And they, yeah, they may have some failures, but you know what they'll do? They'll get back up. They'll get right back up. And, you know, as a, as a believer and as a Christian, we've got God's armor here. So keep it on. Don't take it off. And when you find the wrong thing coming out of your mouth, then you realize, hey, wait a minute. I've dropped my shield. I've taken off my helmet. I need to get those pieces of armor back in place. I need to get back into God's Word. I need to speak it out over my life. I need to declare what God says. You know, if nothing else, I know this. You know, God's always the smartest person in the room. So how can you go wrong if we're following His path and speaking His words? Isn't that right? I used to always tell the, my Bible school students, you've heard me say this, and I always tell them, you know, write this in the front of your Bible. I said, it's the greatest revelation you'll ever get about God. That is this. God is smarter than I am. Not only delay, but the enemy uses deceit. We're talking about strategies meant to fool, to trap, or deceive, to keep us from living up to our full potential in God, for fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. God has a plan and purpose for you. Listen, I don't care where you're at, where you've been, what you're going through. God's got a plan and a purpose for you, and it's good. The Bible says this about God's thoughts. God says, here's the thoughts I have for you. To do you good. To do you good. You know what God's thinking about you? Good things. He's not thinking about everything that's wrong with you. Oh, you, you know, he's going to get out his big heavenly baseball bat and get you. No. But as a matter of fact, Jude says over there, he said, he said he's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless and blameless before him. Wow, I like that. But delay is a strategy, but deceit is one. It's a strategy to derail God's purposes by changing spiritual truth into legalism or diluting the truth with other additives. Remember when we talked last week, we talked about how did this fight get started to begin with? Who started it? And we looked in the Garden of Eden there in Genesis. Remember that? And it says that, you know, the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts that God created. Satan, using the serpent, comes in and he begins to speak to Eve, doesn't he? And what does he use? He uses deceit. Has God said, did God say? God didn't really mean what he said. Let's be reasonable. I mean, you know, God's reasonable. Isn't that right? And after all, God's love and, you know, and God's good. So, you know, there really couldn't be a hell. Are you listening? See, if you're, if you're somebody that believes in a literal hell nowadays, you're in the minority in this nation. 
Most people would want to lock me up and put me in a padded cell because I believe. But here's the thing. That's what deceit wants to do. It wants to change the truth or it wants to add to it or it wants to modify it. And you know, it always sounds so reasonable to your mind, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds reasonable. I mean, why would God want to do that to His creation? Well, He didn't want to do that to His creation. When we made the decision, our ancestors made the decision to rebel against God, they're the ones that put us in that mess, not God. And I found out most of the times, a lot of the the so-called messes I've gotten into in life, I, I could pretty much point the finger at the person in the mirror that had a big part to play in that. How about you? (laughs) You know? I mean, the enemy will take advantage of it, but a lot of times it's just something I did. Or I allowed the enemy to, you know, to deceive deceive me. And I I began to think in my mind. I began to think, well, now, this, this is reasonable. God probably would want this for me, or God would probably want me to do this, or God probably wouldn't want to do that. I'm so glad we don't have to deal with probabilities. We can deal with certainties, the certainties of God's Word. But the enemy wants to deceive us, and he wants to to begin to, to, just like he did with Eve, to make us begin to doubt God's Word. Or he wants us to take a truth and get all legalistic about it. Remember over there in the book of Galatians, Paul had to deal with that with the Galatian church. He had gone there, he had preached the gospel of grace, that is, that, that Jesus came as a man, he lived a perfect sinless life, he died on the cross for their sins, he shed his blood so that they could be saved and forgiven, he was raised up. But then, some other people came along behind Paul and said, you know what, that's all good, but... You need to do this and this and this and need to do that and that and that and don't do this and don't do that and make sure you do this and don't do that. And Paul forgot to tell you, don't do this. And next thing you know, you got all this laundry list of legalism about do this, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, you begin to lose your joy. You begin to lose your, your, your peace. And the next thing you know... We begin to be like the Pharisees were in Jesus' day, that all we can see is what's wrong with everybody. This is wrong with you, and this is wrong with you, and this is wrong with you, and this is wrong with you. And or sometimes it works the other way. We turn it around on ourselves, and everything is wrong about us. Come on. This is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong, that's wrong. You better get it together. But the Scriptures tell us very clearly that by no means of rule-keeping can anyone be justified. God had already given us ten good rules called the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Nobody could keep them. You still can't keep them. Are you listening to me? But thank God we've been justified by God's grace, by our faith in Jesus. And now God says, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to present you with my righteousness. Hallelujah. Kind of like God took out one of his Armani suits. Hallelujah. And put it on you. 
And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Bible says a robe of righteousness. Most of us don't wear a robe except maybe in the bathroom. <laughs> but, you know, if he was writing today, he'd say, God has put on you, what? One, one of his Armani suits of righteousness or whatever, you know. God says that now righteousness and right standing with God, it comes by faith in my son Jesus. But anyway, the, the deceit of the enemy wants to move us from the stability of truth into the instability of error. And I've seen so many Christians through the years that this legalism gets on them. And like I said, it's one of two ways. It's either turned inward to where, I mean, they just, they, they just beat themselves up all the time. They, they're, they, they're always beating themselves up with condemnation and guilt. They feel like they don't measure up. God surely couldn't love me. My life's a big mess. Nothing's ever wrong. Yakety, 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 yak. And see, when you hear people saying that out of their mouth, guess what they've been listening to? That's not what God says about you. God says... Being justified freely by faith in Jesus Christ, we now have peace and confidence before God. He didn't say you have guilt and condemnation. He says you got peace and confidence. Wow. So the enemy wants, because see, if he can beat you up like that, then basically what you are, you're a POW in this war. Because God can't use you in that condition. How can He use you? You don't feel worthy to pray. You don't feel like God would answer your prayer. Oh, I mean, you know, I'd like to volunteer, do something there with my church, Passion Church. But, you know, I mean, uh, man, I'm the last one in the world that needs to do anything. I mean, I mean, all this is wrong with me, and that's wrong with me, and I just, I just don't measure up, and I'm not worthy, and all that. See, that's the enemy. That's not God. That's the enemy. The Bible says there is now no condemnation to those what, who are in Christ Jesus. Or we could say this way, to those who are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no condemnation. All right. Let me talk about some armor real quick because I'm, I'm going to have to close. We'll have to pick this up next week. I said it's to move you from the stability of truth into the instability of error. The deceiver. The word deceiver that's mentioned in Revelations 12, we won't read that, but it means to cause to roam from the truth, to roam from safety to error. You know what? When the enemy wants to tries endeavors to get you into deceit, he is getting you to roam away from the truth. Are you listening? To roam away from the truth. You know, the danger, you know, the Bible talks about and uses the illustration of we as believers in the church of God also as sheep, doesn't it? And he talks about, Jesus talked about over there in John 10, he talked about the thief that's coming to get the sheep. And all of the sheep, as long as they're together, you know, they, they would build an enclosure they might use brush, they might use uh, stones, depending on the lay of the land, but they would build a temporary uh, uh, place to pr provide protection for the sheep at night. But if a sheep got out and roamed away, what? The sheep was in danger, wasn't it, 
a lion would get it or some other animal might get it. It was in danger. But as long as the sheep stayed right there with the shepherd in the sheepfold right there with them, then what? They were safe. This is what deception does. It leads us away from a place of safety where we're close, walking close with the Lord, close fellowship, walking in the truth of God's Word in the Bible. And we, we begin to move away little by little, and we move out there to a place where what we're easily led astray. We're easily deceived. You know, uh, I remember, uh, again, it's hap- of course it's happened here, but on the mission field, we were there in Bolivia, and a certain uh, group came by that was a cult. And, of course, they started out by talking about Jesus, you know, and all of that. But, you know, the longer they talked and the more questions you asked them, the more clearly it came out that they had roamed away from the truth and had added something to it. Yeah, Jesus is good, but you also need to... Hello? And this is what the enemy will try to tell you, that that Jesus is not enough, that God's Word is not enough. You need something. You need to add something. You need something more. And it will lead you to what? Move away from the truth, and you're easily deceived. You're easily deceived. Let me real quickly, the armor used to counter this attack. Then we're going to pray. First of all, the belt of truth. This holds you firm to the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth what? Will keep you free. Set you free and keep you free, won't it? God wants you free. Are you listening? God doesn't want you bound up. He doesn't want you bound up by legalism, religiosity. You know what I mean by that? People act all religious. All it does is create bondage for you. It doesn't create any peace. It doesn't create anything good in your life. You say, well, I can't believe I'm here to preach or say that. I'm talking about the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. Not a creed. Not my peck doctrine. But what does the Scripture say? So the belt of truth. The shoes of the gospel, he talks about in here. This keeps your feet secure. See, remember we said deceit. That word deceit means to cause you to roam. Remember, you used to you get outside your, especially in the early days with your cell phone, you'd get outside your coverage area, and they used to charge you those roaming charges. Man, some of those things were awful. Man, I'm glad they got rid of that stuff. But see, it tries to get you to roam, but if my feet are shod, what, with the gospel of truth, then I know exactly how I am to walk and where I am to walk. Because what? He says, He will lead me and guide me by His truth. Your word is what? A light and a lamp unto my feet. The helmet of salvation, again, what? It guards your mind from error. Guards your mind from error. And then lastly, what he called the breastplate of righteousness. This keeps me secure in Christ. I'm not deceived that, you know, I've got, I've got to add something else. I've got to measure up. I don't measure up. He's already measured up for me. Are you listening? 
And as he's working in my life, as he's working in your life, as we are wearing this armor, we're resisting the enemy. Remember he said, we wrestle. It is a wrestling. It is a, a battle. It is a fight. And that struggle is going on. And let me just say this. If you're in a struggle, that's a good thing because you know what? It says you're not captive. See, if you were captive and tied up, you wouldn't be struggling. <laughs> See, you, the fact that you, you, you're struggling, the fact that you're resisting, the fact that you're putting on the helmet of, of, of salvation, you're raising up your shield of faith, you're using the sword of the Spirit, you're praying with all kinds of prayer. You know what? You're, you're in that battle. You're, there's a wrestling going on. You know, that declares what? You've not been taken captive. You're still on the battlefield. You're still engaged in the battle. Amen? And I've found this out through the years in my experience that the degree of my struggle has a whole lot to do with the advantage I gain at the other end of it. Amen? You know, bigger battles, bigger victories. That's just the way it is. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're going through a battle. I don't know. It could be in any area of your life. It could be in relationships. Next week we're going to talk about, well, we'll finish this up and we'll, we'll get into, in this series, we'll be talking about attacks in our relationships. The enemy likes to attack relationships. He wants to get you at odds with your husband, your wife, your kids, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, your coworkers. The devil feeds off strife. He, he absolutely adores it. But it is detrimental to us. But today I want to pray for you just before we dismiss you. Maybe you're in a battle of some kind today. Whatever it is. Maybe the enemy has, do, has caused some delaying tactics. You've prayed. You've been believing God. You need a breakthrough in your life. Well, it doesn't matter what area it is. And it seems like it's just... It seems like it's not happening. You haven't seen it. You believed, you prayed, but now it looks like it's delayed, delayed, delayed. And maybe a, just a little bit of discouragement or doubts trying to creep in. I want to pray for you today. And I want to, in this prayer, I want you also to recommit to putting on God's armor you got to recommit to it. See, it won't go any good if I pray for you. And you, you know, it's kind of like this. You, you call me up one day and say, Pastor Norris, will you come over here? I don't know, somehow, man, this big old muddy sow's got in my house. Man, that thing's big. And I've tried, tried, and I can't get it out. So I go over there and I help you. We finally, man, we run that thing out. Next day, I get another call. That sow's back. And I go over there and I help you run that thing out again, man couple of days later you call me that sow's back I'm going to have a question before I'm going to help you again but I got a question for you when I get there who's letting the sow in (laughs) who's letting the pig in (laughs) don't do that (laughs) just stop letting the pig isn't that right and you can get to a place where you can become so discouraged and all that you just leave the door open. You're just tired. I'm just tired, man. I'm telling you, I'm tired. 
Let, let them come in and go out. You've probably never been there. I have. But here's the thing. So after we pray today, you put on the armor of God. And see, when you got that armor on, see, it'll help you. Don't let the pig back in. You know where the pig wants to get in is right up here. Come in and walla all around up here. Throw a big old pity party. You ever had one of those? Oh, bless my heart. Nobody's ever had this hard time. Oh, man. You just need to know a few more people. You might realize how easy you've had it. Isn't that true? All right, I'm going to pray right now. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.